The Carter Report presents Plain Talk with John Carter. Hello, friend. I'm John Carter. Welcome today to Plain Talk with The Carter Report. People around the world send us their questions. They come from Africa, United States of America, Australia, Great Britain, even Saudi Arabia. And people are saying to us, we want some plain answers and we want some plain talk. Welcome today to the Carter Report. Hi, I'm John Carter. My wife Beverly and I were watching television the other night, watching the news, American news. They told us that the church in North America is actually shrinking. They said that atheism is the fastest growing religious movement today in North America. And people are saying, what on earth can we do to save the church? Well, of course, Christ died for the church. He saved the church. But what they mean is, how can we keep the church as a vibrant force in the world today, in Australia, in America, and in Europe, and in the rest of the world? Let me tell you a little story. John Wesley was one of the greatest preachers that the English-speaking world has ever heard. John Wesley came upon the scene of the, of the church in England a few hundred years ago when the church was dying. Like the church today, it was a shrinking church, but the people in the church were in a state of denial. They refused to accept the reality that the church was dying. John Wesley did something that uh, other people said couldn't be done. He revived the church through public evangelism. Did you hear that? He started to preach Christ, he preached the Bible, and he preached out of doors and indoors, and the church was saved. Not only did he save a lot of souls, the souls of sinners, he saved the souls of the saints. Please join me, my friend, in evangelism. It's what Jesus did. Write to me, John Carter, Post Office Box, 1900 Thousand Oaks, California. In Australia, write to me at the address on the screen at Terrigal in New South Wales. Join me, my friend, in preaching Christ. Join me in public evangelism around the world. Thank you, in Jesus' name. What is the difference between Protestantism and Roman Catholicism? Good question. Most people would say, I don't know and I don't care. Because as long as you believe in God and we will love each other and we're going to have one big super church soon and it's just going to be wonderful. I really don't believe that stuff. I believe that truth matters. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus said, you will know the truth. The truth will make you free. So truth matters. Now, I love Roman Catholics. My dear old dad was a Roman Catholic for most of his life until he became baptized into Christ as an adult towards the end of his life. Many of my relatives, most of my relatives, are Roman Catholics. So of course I love Roman Catholics, but I'm not a Roman Catholic, and there must be some reason. Except for some would call fate, I could have been 
a Roman Catholic priest. But I'm a Protestant because of my convictions. I do not belong to the church of my fathers. I belong to the church, pardon my saying it, of the Bible. Why? What is the difference between Roman Catholicism and the Protestants? What is the difference? God has got his people in all religions. Did you know that? Man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks on the heart. God can see the hearts of people. And there are many wonderful Christian people in the great Roman Catholic Church that I respect. Even though I don't believe in obeying that church, I believe in respecting that church. And let me tell you the difference, or the differences. Number one, sola scriptura. That's what Martin Luther taught. That's the Latin for only the Bible, only the word of God. Martin Luther said, my conscience is captive to the word of God. Now, Roman Catholics, and we love them, believe in scripture, but also the voice of the church, the voice of the church fathers. I know some Protestants who are pretty much the same. They believe in the Bible plus tradition and uh, the voice of their church. I don't. I believe in the Protestant principle of sola scriptura. What we can't get out of the Bible, I will not believe. I believe in sola Christus, only Christ. I don't believe that I'm saved by the saints or the blessed Virgin Mary. I don't pray to the saints because I believe that Jesus is sufficient. Only Christ, not Christ plus, only Christ. I disagree with my Catholic friends on their understanding of the gospel and justification. The Church of Rome teaches that justification makes a person righteous. That's what they said in the Council of Trent. I don't believe it. I believe in sola gratia, sola fide, only grace, only faith. I believe that justification is a declaration that the sinner, because of the merits of Christ Jesus, is declared righteous. The Church of Rome doesn't believe that. I don't believe in purgatory. I don't believe in an eternally burning hell. I do not believe in the priesthood on this earth. I do not believe in the Pope as the number one priest. I believe the number one priest is Jesus Christ, my Lord. I read about this in the book on the sanctuary, the book of Hebrews. I don't believe in confessing my sins to a priest. I believe in confessing my sins to Christ. He is my high priest. I don't believe in religious relics. I don't believe in penance. I don't believe in feast days. I don't believe in the holy days of the church. I believe in the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. So there are differences and those differences are significant. And by the grace of God, I want you to follow Christ. Don't follow me. Don't follow me. Don't follow the church. I say to you, follow Christ and follow the Bible. 
are Mary and the apostles in heaven? The angel said, from henceforth, everybody is going to call, call you blessed. So it's right to talk about the Blessed Virgin Mary. Because at that time when she had our Lord, she was the Blessed Virgin Mary. And the apostles, Peter, James, John, Paul, all of them, mighty people, people of God, Mary Magdalene, one of the great saints of the church, one of the great saints of God. But they're not in heaven. What? What heresy is this that you're saying? Well, I'm telling you what the Bible says. Um, can I share maybe one text with you? Let me see if I can find it. Let's hope this Bible is going to help me today and turn to the text. Okay. Uh, John chapter 11 talks about what happens when a good person dies. After he uh, said this, he said, uh, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going there to wake him up. Uh, then he says, Lazarus is dead. Lazarus is sleeping. Lazarus is dead. When a person dies, he sleeps in the grave until the resurrection. So how can a sleeping saint awaiting the resurrection hear your prayers? He cannot. Therefore, we do not pray to the dead for the dead. What advice do you give to people who want a life transformation? If you want a life transformation, the Bible says that the Word of God is mighty and powerful. This is not an ordinary book. This is the living Word of the living God. If it gets inside you, you'll have a transformation. Whether you're a drug addict, an adulterer, a murderer, a cheat, I don't care. But you've got to do a bit of discipline. You've got to start to, to read it. The reason most people don't read the Bible is either because they're too busy or they're too lazy. Or they're too indifferent and they don't care. If you, I, I, I want to tell you something. If you will take the time to read the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, for 30 minutes every day, a miracle will happen in your life. But it's not going to happen until you do something so that God can help you. But if you will read the four Gospels starting today, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, read them slowly, prayerfully, thoughtfully. If you read the Gospels half an hour a day, you will be transformed. A miracle will happen in your life. Dear Pastor Carter, thank you for your excellent teachings. I would like to get your thoughts on Matthew 27, verses 53 to 57. This event in my mind is unimaginable. And as far as I know, it is never mentioned anywhere else in the Bible. Uh, it says this, starting verse 53, uh, verse 52, the tombs broke open and the bodies of many holy people who had died were raised to life. They came out of the tombs and after Jesus' resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many people. I think this is the question. We're told that when Jesus died, the tombs were broken up and the bodies of many of the saints walked out of those tombs. And at the time of the resurrection or after the resurrection, they went into the city. 
of Jerusalem, and they appeared to many people. Now, my questioner says, this is almost too hard to believe. Well, this is a book where God intervenes. And here God intervened in human history. God put his finger into time and into place. And when Jesus died on the cross, and that's when he made an atoning sacrifice for your sins and my sins, so you and I could be saved. The Bible says that when there was that mighty earthquake, there was a partial resurrection. People say it's too hard to believe. Well, God can do a few things that you and I can't understand. And these people are the bodies of the saints, and a saint is anybody who trusts in Jesus and believes his word. They walked out of those tombs, and later on they went into the cities, uh, the city of Jerusalem, I should say. And we're told in the book of Ephesians that they were taken home to glory, and they're now in heaven. And you'll be in heaven too, my friend, if you put your trust and your faith in Jesus because Jesus is the Lord and Jesus saves. God has his time and his place for everything. And the time and the place now is Latin America, including Cuba. Time magazine talks about the second Protestant Reformation and describes how hundreds of thousands, even millions of Latinos are coming to the gospel of Christ. I'm not an armchair theologian. I'm speaking according to experience. I've seen it with my own eyes. Recently, we went down to El Salvador. There I spoke in the largest football stadium in Central America with the biggest crowd that that football stadium had ever, ever seen. They came not to see a football match, but to hear about the blood of Christ. Millions are coming to a knowledge of God in Latin America. Doors are opening in Cuba. Who knows, we may be going to Cuba soon. As the doors open, by the grace of God, we are going to step through those doors. And we want you to step through those doors with us and be part of our team for such a time as this. Please write to me, friend. Don't put it off. Write to me, John Carter, Post Office Box 1900, Thousand Oaks, California, 91358. In Australia, write to me at Terrigal, New South Wales. Be part of the Second Reformation. Join us and see the miracles of God. Amen. Hello, Pastor Carter. I'm a new Christian and would like to know what Bible translation I should be reading. Does it really matter what version we read? I always wondered who gave us our first translation in the English language. And thank you for addressing my question. Well, let's start at the last part first so I don't forget it. (laughs) Uh, The King James Version goes back to uh, 1611. One of the greatest uh, monuments to the grace of God. A monumental classic, the KJV. Uh, Around the same time, 
uh, a bit before you had the Geneva Bible and uh, you had the Bishop's Bible. These were English translations. And during those days, of course, there was a great deal of persecution. And that's why the Geneva Bible was translated because the Church of Rome was burning the Bibles and putting to death the Protestant reformers. And so they went over to Geneva and they had a little haven there and that's when they translated the Holy Scriptures. Now you're saying, what Bible should I use today? Well, I'm not too concerned about what Bible, but I'm concerned about your reading the Scriptures and getting some discipline and spending 30 minutes a day reading the Holy Scriptures, particularly the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. Now, I use the King James Version on occasions because I love it. I've used this Bible ever since I ran the meetings in the Sydney Opera House before most of you were born. (laughs) In 1982, I've used it and I've worn out a few of these Bibles. I also have used the uh, new King James Version, though it's not as good as the old KJV, but it's more up-to-date and it's possibly uh, more accurate. And then I also recommend the New American Standard Version, the New American Standard Bible, New American Standard Bible. It's possibly the most accurate of all the, uh, of all the translations. Uh, then you have other Bibles such as the Message, that's not truly a, a real Bible. That's a paraphrase. Uh, it's good to read because it gives you the heart and, and the spirit of what the Bible is saying. But I would recommend, uh, and this is from my viewpoint, I would recommend the New International Version or the New American Standard Bible, that the most important thing you can do is to start to read it. Hi, Pastor Carter. Do you think that we'll ever find the Ark of the Covenant? The Internet is full of stories on this subject. Yeah, the Internet is full of stories on every subject. Uh, There's so much information today, but there's not a great deal of wisdom. You know, there's a difference between uh, information and wisdom. If you read the Bible, the Bible will give you information and wisdom. But a lot of the stuff you get on the Internet today is just pardon my saying, is rubbish. Do I think they're going to find the Ark of the Covenant? Well, I don't know. Uh, Do I think they're going to find the Ark of Noah? Well, there was all sorts of talk that they had found Noah's Ark, but it was all fallacious. It wasn't true. It was just, uh, well, just made up stories, I believe. We do know that the Ark of the Covenant existed. And we do know that it was hidden because of invading armies. It is possible that the Ark of the Covenant was hidden in the same area where they found the Dead Sea Scrolls. Who would have believed they would have found such old manuscripts from the Old Testament? I've been to those places where they found the Dead Sea Scrolls. I guess it is possible that they could find the Ark of the Covenant, but it doesn't make a lot of difference because in the Ark of the Covenant, you have the Ten Commandments. Do you think finding the Ark of the Covenant would get people 
to read the Ten Commandments and obey the Ten Commandments? I don't think so. It would be a seven-day wonder and a novelty. If you want to find out about the Ark of the Covenant, then go to the Bible. But most importantly, look inside the Ark and there you will see the holy law of God, the Ten Commandments. And I believe that if we all obeyed the Ten Commandments, we would be blessed and so much happier. Don't you think? I was recently at a local Christian bookstore and was looking for a good Bible commentary or a concordance to supplement my studies. Pastor Carter, are there any that you could recommend? You're really putting me on the spot here, aren't you? Uh, a good concordance? Well, you have a number of concordances. I have them all, and some of you would too. You have Strong's concordance, and somebody has uh, quite facetiously said, that's for strong Christians. Then you have Young's concordance. They say that's for young Christians. And you have Cruden's concordance, which is for crude Christians. <laughs> now, I have the three. Um, if you want to find out what the ancient languages are saying, it's better for you to get a Strong's concordance or a Young's analytical concordance, but that is pretty hard work. But I'm all for hard work, and, and it's good for your Bible study. As for commentaries, well, there are so many, many different commentaries. I have many commentaries. Um, how many I would recommend, I don't know. Uh, Adventists have a very fine commentary. The Adventist commentary, particularly the portion of the Adventist commentary uh, written by Dr. Siegfried Horn, that's the dictionary. The dictionary is second to, one, uh, second to none. I would certainly get the dictionary in the Adventist commentary. I think it's the best part of the commentary, in my humble opinion. And also the introductory, uh, introductory articles to the Gospels and also to the Old Testament. But the most important thing you can do is to read your Bible. Dear Pastor Carter, thank you for your ministry and for your teachings. I'm trying to learn about the Sabbath. A pastor at our church told me that we have no way of knowing what the seventh day is, as the days of the week have been lost due to changes in the world's time calendar. Is that an accurate statement? No, it's not. Your pastor is totally wrong. Uh, who agrees with me? Anybody who is a scholar. Now, let me tell you very plainly, in Leviticus, Exodus, Exodus 16, you have the story of the manna. The manna fell on the first day, the second day, the third day, the fourth day, the fifth day, double portion on the sixth day, none on the seventh day. Do you think they would have worked out which was the seventh day after this miraculous event took place for about 40 years? 40 years. One, two, three, four, five, six, manna, seventh day, no manna. I think anybody could have worked out which, which was the seventh day. Then the Jewish people, for another 1,500 years, religiously continued to observe that same seventh day that God revealed to them at Mount Sinai. And then 
since the days of Christ. The Jews have continued to set aside the same seventh day. And the Christians have said, no, many Christians have said, we don't keep the seventh day, we keep the first day. And the Muslims say they keep the sixth day. Go to any good commentary, go to any good encyclopedia, and they will tell you which is the seventh day. Time has not been lost. People get lost, but time has not been lost. And the Bible says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. The seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. I believe we ought to keep the Sabbath that Jesus kept. And that's the same Sabbath that the Jews keep today. It's plain. Dear Pastor Carter, why did God in the course of history let so many innocent people suffer for the fall of Adam and Eve? This question haunts me during difficult times in my life. I see the suffering in third world countries and cannot grasp God's plan for mankind. Thank you, Pastor Carter, for this help. When Adam and Eve sinned, when Adam sinned, he was the representative of the human race. It's like if I'm driving a car and my family are in the back seat. If I take the car off the road, my family goes off the road with me because they're in the car with me. Adam was driving the human race. And when Adam went off the road, we were in the back seat and we went off with him. And since Adam's fall, we've all had sinful human natures. And because of our sin, because we're born in sin, we all die. The Bible says, in Adam all die. And sin spread out over the world, and this world became under the curse of sin. And even the animal creation, the Bible says, groans as in travail until this present day. But let me tell you something. The first Adam blew it. The first Adam lost it. And we're all lost because of the first Adam. But the good news is that the second Adam, Jesus, redeemed Adam's failure. And we are saved in the second Adam, not because of our effort, not because of our penance, not because of our works, not because of our obedience, but because of him. He won the battle for us. He's our savior. He's our Lord. And if you truly believe in Jesus, just think about this. If you truly trust in him, you are redeemed from Adam's failure. And you are saved and you will go to heaven with the righteous. And one day, God's going to have a new heaven and a new earth. He's going to get rid of this old world of sin. He's going to make it new. No more suffering. No more pain among the animals. No more death. No more parting. No more devil. Even so, come Lord Jesus, I pray. My friend, please write to me. John Carter, Post Office Box, 1900 Thousand Oaks, California, 91358. Send me your questions. By the grace of God, we'll have them on the next session of Plain Talk. We believe in the plain truth is found in the Bible, and I believe in plain talk. Write to me at Terrigal, 
New South Wales, Australia. And when you write, send me your question. Do something else. Send a love offering for the preaching of the gospel. Write to me today. Until next time, this is John Carter saying, God bless you and bye for now. For a copy of today's program, please contact us at P.O. Box 1900, Thousand Oaks, California, 91358. Or in Australia, contact us at P.O. Box 861, Terrigal, New South Wales, 2260. This program is made possible through the generous support of viewers like you. We thank you for your continued support. May God richly bless you.